Welcome into Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with CPA and Personal Financial Specialist, Phil Putney. Now let's get rolling with today's show. Hey everybody, welcome into Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with Phil Putney and myself here to talk investing, finance, retirement once again. And this time, Phil, we got to talk a little bit about the, uh, the loss of a spouse. No fun, dark conversation, but you know, finances. When, when it's necessary. When it's necessary. Life's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's talk, let's talk a few strategies and maybe some mistakes to try to avoid ahead of time because obviously we're not going to be in the right, you know, mental state when dealing with things uh, when, when this happens, even if you see it coming, uh, even right. if it's a prolonged illness or something like that. So I want to just kind of get into this. And, and really, we, we talked about doing something different this week, but we decided to come back around to it because it's the nature of what you do, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you, you know, we try to have some fun and enlighten people on the show and things. And ultimately, what you do is very, very serious stuff. You're dealing with people's life's money, uh, yeah. their retirement money, their forever money. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, we all leave, right? And so... It's, to your point, not a fun discussion by any means, um, but I mean, it's a discussion, frankly, we have with every client. Um, it's part of our planning process. We, you know, the, the old adage, plan for the best, prepare for the worst, right? right. So we're planning as though everyone's going to live to full life expectancies. There's no need for long-term care. You know, does it work? Right. And then right. what if, you know, what yeah. happens if, and we always run scenarios, if either of the spouses passes early today, you know, when we start the planning process, and then we look at it kind of in five-year increments okay. to see what does that look like? If either spouse passes prematurely, how does that affect then that surviving spouse? Well, let's, let's break that down a little bit. We'll try to yeah. stay away from the emotional stuff as much as we can. Obviously, it's virtually impossible in this situation. But right. let's kind of focus on some of the uh, the places where folks can kind of make it more compounded, I suppose, uh, adding to the, uh, the stress of the situation. So we'll just start with the two big ticket items that people are, are going to hit when this happens mm-hmm. to them. So what are those two main uh, things that are going to happen when you obviously from a financial standpoint when you lose your spouse? Sure. Well, I mean, the first is a loss of income. Um, even if all you had was Social Security, there is going to be a loss of, of one of the Social Security benefits. Yeah. So income survivor, ben- yep, survivor benefits kick in. So all that means is that the surviving spouse effectively retains the highest of the two benefits. So their own or their, their, their deceased spouse, if theirs was higher. But to that point, the lowest benefit stops. You know, so from a household standpoint, if if you were planning on, you know, based on your housing expense and everything else, this double Social Security benefit at the passing of one spouse, the lowest benefit stops. So yeah. there's going to naturally be from just Social Security that. I mean, the other thing would be a pension. You know, if, if you are one of the fortunate individuals that still has a pension, um, you know, maybe it was grandfathered, you know, in and, and um, kind of frozen, but you've now had that pension into retirement. What was the election that was made on that pension? You know, is there a survivor benefit? Did they, did the spouse that pass take the single life benefit, right? It's, it's tempting. It's the highest of the benefits. You're thinking, oh, maybe we'll just take that because, you know, statistically they're going to live longer, which great. Understand the math. You're going to run it out to see what that looks like. But if there was the pension, chances are there's going to be some kind of a loss of, of income from the survivor benefits. Cause unlike Social Security, it's not a hundred percent by nature. Yeah. Um, you have to make the election is what it is, kind of averages that 65% survivor option. Uh, most pension plans have that as a default. If you don't elect anything, that's what they put you into. Mm-hmm. Um, so the income gap clearly is but, the big one, right? That's the absolutely. first one. 
What's yeah, the second there one? There is going to be a loss of income for sure. Yeah. yeah. And the second one is what we call the, the, um, the widow's penalty, um, which is just the effect of going from married filing joint right. to now being single. And that's you know, the one, so, Phil, that catches people off guard, right? Yeah. Because especially if you had the great fortune of being married a long time, you mm-hmm. know, if you're married 30, 40 years or, or more right. and you're, and used, you're, to fi- married you're used to it. Yeah. yeah. And now all of a sudden you, you get bumped into that higher single filer. Well, and the reality is what happens is the, the brackets for a single are the same from a percentage standpoint as a married, right? Okay. Same tax okay. brackets percentage wise, but the brackets are smaller. And, and right now it's basically half. The, the money brackets. The money small. brackets, right. Okay. So to enter the 12%, you know, or exit the 12% bracket, you know, it's around, call it 80,000 for a married couple. For a single, it's half that. You right. Know? So you, for a single, very often we see a, a surviving spouse with less income gets pushed into a higher bracket. And it's what, what, what right now it's currently what, 12 to 22, the next jump? Right, 12 to 22, right. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's substantial. That's a, that's a pretty significant jump. Right. Yeah. yeah. So again, just understand what this looks like. It's, you know, like many things that we've talked about in, in the planning process is what does this look like if this happens? And then how do we best prepare for that just in case? Okay. So let's talk about so, a couple of things. Let's, so let's yeah. solve for the income gap uh, first, right? Yep. So that let's go with that piece. Uh, some things to look at for doing yep. that. So obviously we touched on social security, you touched on possible with the p- pension thing. What are some other things? That, obviously the first thing that comes to mind as well, that's what we saved in our 401k or whatever for, right? Uh, right. So how do we go about fixing the shortfall? Well, first is just understanding what this looks like if it happens. And, and that should be part of the decision when you look at social security. You okay. know, So when you're running that math on social security, one of the benefits to typically that higher earning spouse delaying maybe all the way to 70 is the survivor benefit. So you're staggering the two working couples. Right. Look at what that okay. looks like. Maybe it makes sense for that higher earning spouse to wait till 70 so they can grow one of the benefits so that whoever the surviving spouse is has this higher benefit to help minimize that income gap. Okay. I mean, the other thing is when you're looking at the pension, you know, does it make sense to take a a lower survivor benefit, even though you get the higher number today? You know, maybe you need to take the lower number to get a higher survivor benefit just to hedge against it. Right. Or maybe you do take the higher number, but then use that difference to buy life insurance. And that's kind of the other avenue to help fill the gap is purchasing life insurance so that when one of the spouse passes, then there is this death benefit that can come in, be invested to help make up that income loss. And a lot of times we think about life insurance as the kind of go-to, especially mm-hmm. when we're in our thirties or forties and we've still got our younger kids at home and right. you know, yada, yada, but it could still be the same kind of strategy for seniors or retirees as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, common misconception is that while well, I'm in retirement, I don't, I don't need, need life it. insurance. I, you know, kids are all graduated from college, you know, I'm retired. So it's not like we're trying to replace my salary. Well, you're right. You don't have those two common scenarios that you would buy life insurance for. But that's the point of running a scenario to say, okay, what does it look like for your surviving spouse if you were to pass today? Yeah, for sure. You know, are they going to have an income gap for sure from Social Security alone? But how much of a gap is there? You know, now they're going to be in a higher bracket. How do we help hedge against that? Because now their expenses are higher because of that higher tax cost. Okay. And then some other strategies, obviously, another one that's obviously very popular that people, 
you know, we'll just drop the A word, right? Which is annuity. Some people go, you know, they either they love them, they hate them, they don't want to talk right. about them. They're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Whatever kind of place you find yourself in, it's still a, something to at least talk with your professional about. Is it a strategy that makes sense? Right. If you have an income stream, a guaranteed lifetime income annuity, that has a survivor benefit, and that's the catch, you know, because you can have the, the one spouse could have taken their IRA, put it into an income annuity for their life. But if they didn't elect a survivor option, well, okay. you know, it leaves the, the surviving spouse in a very similar scenario. Yeah. So again, an annuity, yeah, it's another stream of income that if was elected and there was the right survivor benefit up front, it could make sense. At the end of the day, it really just comes down to understanding what this looks like. But putting, so, a, putting a plan in place ahead of time while you're both yes. still here is the important part so that when the inevitable happens, right? right? You're easily just, you know, you're no longer here. Let's just say, cause typically the numbers are what they are. Typically us right. guys pass away first, you know, yep. then, then our spouse, our loved one is able to go to the advisor and go, great. Here's all the pieces. Here's the things that we've got. I'm right. good, you know, or whatever the case is, I'm going to be okay. That stress comes off the table uh, from that aspect so that you can, you know, rightfully mourn. I, right. I, I think I might have shared on here before. I can't remember, but the lady we bought, my wife and I bought this house from, she lost her husband unexpectedly and they didn't have a plan. And one of the things that stuck with me when she told me that was that she told me some of the things as we were breaking stuff down for the house and mm -hmm. she was around and she was very, very cool and very helpful was that she spent three years getting everything in order, cleaning up the house financially, getting things in order, getting the yeah. actual environment cleaned up um, and never got a chance to mourn her husband. So she went right from the yeah. loss to right into fix it mode, I guess. Fix up, yep, yep. And, and never really got to properly mourn the man. So that kind of stuck with me, right? Right. Well, and that's the importance of looking at this ahead of time. At least there's a plan. You're you're yeah. not making decisions in a very emotional state, you know, which right. the the more we can do to help have a plan in place so that you know that when or if that happens, yeah, you're okay. You can mourn your your loss of your loved one. You know, do what you need to do and, and kind of get things positioned right, knowing that the assets are there, my, my plans in place, it's going right. to work. So. And not making those rush, snap, or or scary right. decisions when you're not in the right mind space. You're not uh, in the right frame space. of mind at that point. Okay, so, so let's yep. assume that Lee, we've taken care of the spouse. We've got mm -hmm. the, the plan taken care of. So let's look at the next steps here. Um, you know, we want to focus on, as we're getting the planning strategy put in place, what do we want to do for the kids or the grandkids? You know, so right. I only have the one daughter, so it's going to be pretty easy to kind of decide what happens with our stuff. But everybody's situation is a little different. What are some common mistakes that people step into here? Well, I mean, when there's a, a passing of one of the spouses, it's time to revisit all the different beneficiary designations and that estate plan. Okay. You know, what does that look like? Because now it, it's not a surviving spouse that things would go to. It's it's to the kids. And do you want, you know, depending on ages and, you know, their financial wherewithal, do you want them inheriting a large sum of money at that point? Right. I mean, it's something to revisit again. Yeah. Um, last week on the show, we talked about RMDs, yeah. Phil. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and this changes here as well. So they've changed the rules there, right? If you're right. leaving your children, let's say, you know, there's, let's just say there's only one of you left, right? And now you're right. passing, uh, and you're not leaving it to your spouse. You're leaving it to a child, your kid. Uh, they've changed the rules on that, on how they get this inheritance uh, right. from an IRA. Yeah. I mean, they have 10 years basically to take the money out so they can no longer stretch it out over their lifetime. Yeah. You know, so a tax, the tax side of the equation is a big piece of this. And, you know, we were talking about the the um, surviving spouse and having a higher tax bracket. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something to understand too. And, and frankly, part of the process we look at in doing Roth conversions, because 
if we can have money converted into a Roth IRA before that spouse passes, mm-hmm. you know, again, remember the brackets are wider so we can convert more at a lower bracket so that when or if that happens, that surviving spouse doesn't have this big tax burden because if it's in a Roth IRA, Roth distributions are tax-free. So they're, it's outside the equation. You don't have to worry about it. Same thing goes then for the, the kids, right? If, if you both have now passed and there's money in a Roth IRA, granted, they still have to take it over 10 years, but it's not taxable. So it doesn't right. pass this huge tax burden onto them. You're, you're being so. tax efficient for them. So clearly that's, the, that's the main one most of us think about. And I think the other one that gets lost in it sometimes is just the communication of your desires and wishes. Because a lot of Absolutely. people will just go down the, the will route, right? So it's like, well, just remember that a will's going to, you will go through probate if Correct. it's just a will. Uh, and if you don't want that, then it may be worth talking about something like a trust. And I know that people kind of go back and forth on that. As a CPA mm-hmm. and a personal financial specialist, Phil, what's your take on that from a, I, I guess, the estate planning side of things? Sure. Because it's it's not just for the uber rich. We've talked about that many times no, here on the show. All. It can be a valuable tool for people, but... You need to find out at least. Yeah, I mean, a, a trust really comes down to control is, is what it is. I mean, if okay. you want to maintain control of an asset after you've passed because you have concerns, you know, for the uh, ability of your kids to, to manage finances or, you know, whatever it is, their age. Or maybe it's know, just privacy. Or if it goes to grandkids or privacy, you know, yeah. um, that's another concern. But um, trust, again, I think are one of those things that, frankly, are probably oversold. Okay. You know, if you're not concerned with when when the the kids get the money or the grandkids get the money, you don't need a trust for IRAs, 401ks, those type of accounts, annuities, life insurance, all your beneficiary designations govern. And actually kind of in the order of things, that happens first. It doesn't matter. So you can have a trust that says the IRA goes to the kids, but unless that beneficiary designation says that, doesn't matter. So it it trumps the so will, it, it trumps but it trumps the trust too. Right. Okay. So the only way that a trust doesn't even come into play unless it's named. So the only way for that IRA to go through the trust is you have to name the trust as beneficiary. Then the trust now governs how that asset gets distributed. And that's often people go through all this process and setting up a trust and doing this and then never fund it. Nothing ends up there. So it's an empty shell with a bunch of rules that means nothing. Means nothing. You know? Wow. Okay, great point. Great <laughs> and, tip. and they think, oh, I, you know, I set the trust up. I'm, I'm good. And, and they're really not because they haven't taken that final step to get it there. That's a great point, so, right? So, and that's what we try to hopefully share on on the show right. is is the little things that that we hear or we see as as laypersons, right? We, we don't really truly understand them. So, to your point, yeah, okay, this guy I got set up with this guy. He's got me a trust or a gal, whatever. They've got me into a trust. We're golden, and maybe they've missed that crucial piece. So, great. Point. Yeah. So, understand why you have the trust, right? In today's yeah. day and age, I mean, through beneficiary designations, transfer on death or TOD, you can have on non-retirement type accounts, which basically puts a beneficiary designation on that. Most okay. bank accounts, you can even do that today. And then, at least in Michigan, you'd have to check in your state if you're out of out of Michigan. But for real estate, we can use what's called a ladybird deed. Okay. Which effectively puts a beneficiary on real estate. You know, so those are kind of the big three items that people are generally worried about. You can keep all of those outside of probate. They never enter that probate step because the beneficiary designation trumps and kicks in. So again, just understand why you you have it, right? And and does it really make sense? The other side of a trust that is often overlooked, even by the attorneys, because they don't understand the tax side of it, is taxes. Mm. 
So taxes for a trust, I mean, it's a separate taxable entity once you've passed, that trust pays tax. The downside of a trust is that it reaches the 37% the bracket, the top marginal bracket, at 15000 of income. Oh, wow. So a married couple, you're talking about a half a million before you get there, right? Trust, no, fifteen grand. So wow. be very, very careful from a tax standpoint what ends up in the trust. And if it gets retained by the trust and its income, you could end up paying a third or more of it to the government in taxes because it wasn't designed the right way from a tax standpoint. So just wow, understand yeah. how it works. You yeah, know, great. And if, you, if you've passed, that trust is in place, the assets are there, it's too late. Kids are stuck with yeah. the way yeah, it's set right, up. So, yeah, wow. Yep. Again, so lots of, you know, things to consider when we're talking about, you know, obviously we're all going to leave here, right? The mortality mm -hmm. rate is what it is. None of us, uh, is sometimes, you know, many of us would let, love to stay around forever and many of us have no interest in staying around forever, but it doesn't make a difference. We're, we're all checking out at some point of the yep. hotel, right? So you got to make sure that you're having some stuff in place because you do want to make it easier on those that you leave behind. So, you right. know, whether you're solving for the income gap for, uh, your spouse or you're dealing with the tax situation for your spouse, or your children, yep. uh, leaving money behind, using annuities, talking about life insurance, whatever the case is, you got to have a strategy in place. And that's really what, yep. you know, the whole conversation is about. And to, you know, having these things and breaking these things down with Phil is obviously a great way to talk about this because there's little, little nuggets in there, like you shared this week on the show that most of yep. us just wouldn't know. Yeah, have, have a plan in place. I mean, it's not a fun discussion to have, like many of them. But right. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's vital to have it at least. Look at it, understand what the potential is make informed decisions at that point before you're in that emotional state and get forced into some of these decisions, yeah. which you, you might've then lost a lot of options at that stage. So. Yeah. I know you've lost a number of clients this mm -hmm. year. Uh, it, it is unfortunately, you know, part of the, uh, part of the, it, it's part of life, yeah. part of life, part of uh, your, the business that you're in. Uh, but if you've got questions, folks, you need some help, definitely reach out to a qualified professional. You know, we always talk about the fact of having a, a financial team, you know, certainly in this aspect, you know, you're going to need someone, you know, it fills a CPA as well as a personal financial specialist, but you're also going to want to have an a state attorney or a, sometimes I guess it's elder law attorney, elder um, law attorney. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, yeah, I mean, have if you're brought looking in. more of the long-term care side, things like that, then it might make sense to try okay. to do some manipulations and moving around, you know, trying to get on Medicaid, but yeah, well, you yeah. kind of have, you kind of need a little team, if you will, right? Just a Absolutely. little team to kind of help yep. with some of these things in life. And if you need some help, I know, Phil, you probably certainly have people that you refer folks mm -hmm. out to talk to uh, from that standpoint, from the illegal side, if they need some things. Since you right. wear a lot of hats, but attorney's not one of them. No, yeah, attorney's not one of them. I, I don't want to, I don't want to wear that hat. There you go. Got enough to wear. That's right. Well, again, if you, if you need some help, folks, reach out to Phil or, or whomever, right? But talk to somebody about it. Get a, get a strategy in place. I uh, don't want to be in a situation, like I said, that I described earlier about with my neighbor, where you can't take the time to really mourn properly and just kind of grieve and do the things that we need to do from an emotional standpoint. Right. If we're so busy running around fixing all the X's and O's that we could have and should yep. have taken care of prior to losing a loved one. So that's going to right. do it this week. Subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, whatever platform you like to use. Uh, you can find all of it at philstaxhacks.com. That's philstaxhacks.com. And of course, that'll redirect you back to his main website if you'd like to get some time onto his calendar or just call him at 248-888-7530. Numbers on the screen for those watching. Uh, or again, just or pick up the phone and call 248-888-7530. For Phil, I'm Mark. We'll see you next time here on the podcast. This has been Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts. Phil? 
investment advisory services offered through AFS Wealth Management. The content of this program is provided for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will achieve its objectives.